available in more homes than the Pac-12 Network. We are the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online. And here he goes, Miles Jack! And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com. Liner, going to try to sneak it ahead. Touchdown, SC! We are the Podcast of Champions. Welcome, everybody, back at long last to the Podcast of Champions. It's only been, uh, what, a couple days? Three weeks? <laughs> oh, right, right, right. Three months since we last recorded. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site of the Scout.com network. And I'm Ryan still- Abraham. Oh, sorry. I'm Ryan Abraham from USCFootball.com, the USC site on the Scout.com network. And we are the Podcast of Champions. We still are, even though, like Dave said, we haven't been around for a little while, and we kind of uh, berated ourselves for not doing enough podcasts, and then what do we do? So, yeah, we're going to do more, and then we skip three months, uh, but we're back. I think we're going to do a couple shows, so we're going to promise, but we're going to do a couple shows and <laughs> bring them to you. I don't want to make any promises we can't keep. I don't want to make any promises from, like, the next two hours, because who knows? Who knows what will happen in the next two hours? There could be a meteor strike. There could be so many things that prevent us. Yeah, But it's funny, it's funny, Dave, when we... When we tweet about it or talk about it or people ask on the message boards, like people do like the show. And, uh, so it's not like we're not doing it because people don't like it. We're doing it despite the fact that people like it. I don't know. Well, I don't know what's going on here. Like we need to. It's like we hear that people like it and we're like, no, no, that's not acceptable. <laughs> no, we're, we're, we're going to move on from this. You know what? I want to say, I, I, you know, I don't remember last year too well because I have children. So I don't remember really anything too well. <laughs> Um, but I have a feeling we've actually recorded more this off season just by starting up this podcast right now today than we did all of last off season. So I think we're doing okay. Yeah, I think that's fair because we were weren't sure how it was going to move. Like if we were going to exist anymore, you know, we were like yeah. teetering on the edge of going away. I, th- I think we went February to August last year. So February to May. I mean, we're getting better. By next off season, I think we'll be recording them once every month and a half or yeah. so. <laughs> Well, we do have, so what we have planned, uh, you guys sent in a bunch of questions and even some voicemail questions. So we're going to do a show later in the week. This is Sunday morning. We're recording this. We'll do a later, a show later in the week answering all your questions. And then today we want to do a recap of the entire Pac 12 spring football. Uh, and we were going to do a preview, I think, of all the teams and that never happened. So now, <laughs> <laughs> so it's over. You'd rather get a recap than a preview, right? I would think. Previews are lame anyway, unless you're doing like a season preview and then you're doing like record predictions. I never like reading like spring previews because spring is just kind of stupid anyway. <laughs> spring football. No offense to what we're going to talk about in the next hour, but it's just, you know, it doesn't feel like anything. You know, you're not, you're not playing games and you're, you're, you know, a bunch of guys are out and there's none of the freshmen are arriving or not many of them. You know, it's just. It's fun. It's football, but it's not, it's not quite the real thing. And, but so if you do like spring football, even though Dave says you shouldn't because it sucks, <laughs> we're going to, like, we have, we're going to hear from every single team in the Pac 12. So at least we're bringing you that. We're not bringing you like a half-assed, well, this is what I read about Arizona football. No, we're going to have the experts from every market. Uh, we are bringing a yeah. full-assed podcast right now. Yeah. It is full-assed. Full. Uh, everything. And, um, It'll be, uh, it'll be cool because I'm using Google Voice now for some of the recordings and they cut you off. I don't know. It's three or five minutes. So I definitely, some of the, the longer ones that people are like, Oh, that was going on too long. They're all cut off. So you're going to get 
quick blurbs of everybody. Three minutes or five minutes, whatever it is. I think it's three minutes. Um, yeah, so it should be good, Dave. Uh, so people, I'm excited for that. Yeah. <laughs> you're not going to get, you know, like the nine minute, you know, recap where they go through every, you know, backup offensive right. lineman. So we're not, we're not doing that. That's not what we're about here on the, the podcast of champions. Um, they're quick and dirty. So our website is pack12podcast.com. It's still there. Don't worry about it. So you can check it out. <laughs> the, the old episodes, you know, the last one being three months ago, like Dave said, uh, tweet us. Like if you tweet at us, like that'll kind of get us a little bit more motivated at pack 12 podcast. Even though some of you tweeted at us and said, why have you done a show? Yeah. And we the- didn't respond because <laughs> we didn't actually get motivated by those comments at all. <laughs> but keep trying. Um, and email <laughs> us, <laughs> pack12podcast at gmail.com. We do have, I think there's like nine or ten uh, email questions that we'll get to in the next show. We promise we're going to do it, so don't worry about it. Um, <laughs> we'll definitely do it. If you want to leave us a voicemail, 641-715-3900, extension 734-972. And... We, uh, yeah, the, the show we asked for, the last show, if you remember, we asked for some different topics for the offseason. We did a couple of really good voicemails that have good topics. So we'll, we'll discuss those, uh, on the next show, Dave. But I, I'm just excited to be talking to you again, Dave. It's just been a while. This is, this is magical. It's like, uh, or like peas and carrots again. It's great. And, you know, we've talked about like, oh, are we not, you know, we're both busy. You know, there's a lot of stuff going on. Like, do we have time to do this? But I have both, children. You yeah. have a bathroom. You're remodeling a bathroom. There's just a lot going on. <laughs> but. And so maybe in 15, 20 years, we'll be able to record this regularly again. Yeah. Well, yeah. we'll do it. We'll be fine. Once your kids grow up and. uh Yeah. 15 to 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, not anymore. Okay. Yeah. No, 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 no. Um, well, I guess we can just jump right into it. We like to call this Pac-12 Roundup. What are we going to start with? Uh, that's a good question. Do you want to do like north and then south? Do you want to do alphabetical order? Do you want to do? Let's do north and then south. Do we just should we just go in geographical order? Should we start with Seattle? So Washington? Yeah. So let's go. Okay, we'll do Pacific Northwest first, and uh, we'll start with Washington Huskies. <laughs> All right, so did we hear from our man Kim Grinnells on this one, we, or is we, this Chris Fetters? Uh, this is a good question, and uh, I'm going to let you know right now. I'm Kim Grinnells of Dogman.com. Spring Ball 2017 in the books for Chris Peterson and staff at the University of Washington. Big question mark going into spring camp. Who will replace the two second-round draft picks in the secondary in Kevin King, Buda Baker, and Sidney Jones? Uh, lots of talent. Jimmy Lake has recruited very well over the past few years. Jordan Miller from Oceanside, California, expected to step in. He's a junior, had a great camp. And then probably the surprise defensive player, this side, the defensive side of the ball, uh, Byron Murphy out of Arizona, player of the year in Arizona, who redshirted last year, seems to be a ball hawk back there. Uh, safety with JoJo McIntosh, freshman of the year, Taylor Rapp, and Ezekiel Turner, the junior college transfer, who's a senior who's built like a linebacker. They seem to be in good hands in the backfield, even though they lost a lot of talent back there. At linebacker, Keyshawn Bieria and Azeem Victor may be as talented as any linebacker tandem in the country. The linebacker is in good shape and up front. Greg Gaines, the nose tackle, uh, who held down the middle quite a bit last year, had off-season shoulder surgery, did not participate. But Vita Vea, six foot five, three hundred thirty pounds, many projected he could have been a first-round draft pick if he came out uh, this past draft. Uh, the between Greg Gaines and Vita Vea, expect them to hold down the defensive side of the ball for Washington. 
On the offensive side of the ball, Jake Browning, off-season surgery as well. Didn't participate a lot at the beginning, and they gradually ramped him up. K.J. Carter-Samuels, the backup, got quite a bit of time. Who's going to take over for John Ross outside? Dante Pettis, the son of Gary Pettis, had a great camp and expected to be one of the premier wide receivers in the country. And always the key on the offense is going to be the offensive line, led by all-conference left tackle Trey Adams at six foot eight, 320 pounds, Coleman Shelton, all-conference center in the middle, and then Caleb McGarry, another 6'7", 310-pound tackle. Just bookend tight ends. Miles Gaskin uh, at running back had another great camp. LeVon Coleman, the uh, second back, the big back for Washington, did not participate in spring camp very much, had a lot of schoolwork to take care of. Overall, great camp for University of Washington. Getting back to basics, Chris Peterson said they just wanted to start like it was day one. So we saw quite a bit of drills uh, quite a bit of basics, fundamentals. So, uh, good year for University of Washington in their spring camp. Big things expected this upcoming year. You know what I appreciate about that one? I think Kim timed himself. Yeah, that was a little beep there. I think that was that like, was great. Time to, I loved it. time to end. Yeah, you know we should institute that for everybody. That was great. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean it sounds like Washington. Um, obviously, there's some guys to replace guys who got drafted, uh, Buda Baker, namely among them. Um, but they. Uh, they re- return a lot of the core offensive players. You've got to figure Jake Browning another year, get a little bit stronger. He had some off-season surgery. Um, and, you know, Miles Gaskin. Uh, they've still got some weapons on the outside. I think Dante Pettis is a really good player. And, you know, losing John Ross hurts. But um, I'm pretty confident in Chris Peterson and his system up there. Um, and I think I think they returned – I think they're returning about 13 starters, which I think is pretty good for a team like that. Like, I think with – with good coaching, you have continuity even when you're not returning, like, you know, 17, 18 guys. Um, so I, I feel pretty confident in everything I've read from Washington uh, this offseason. They're going to not miss too much of a beat. I don't know if they're going 12-2 and two next year, but um, I think they'll still be in contention in the north. Yeah, I mean, I think the offensive line is still going to be really good. Good tight ends, running backs. Of course, Jake Browning, even another year. I, like, like I said, on the offensive side... It hurts that not have John Ross there, but I think they'll be fine. And we've seen Chris Peterson just replace high draft picks on the defensive side of the football and continue to do well. I, you you probably covered Byron Murphy too. So the fact that uh, Kim mentioned him, he'll somewhat you know he redshirted last year. I didn't realize what happened to him, but he redshirted. So a guy like him, I bet you he comes in and just starts killing it right away. Um, they'll they'll be I think they'll be fine. Uh, will they be able to make that right? You know, will they still be the favorite in the North? Can they beat Stanford? Uh, make you know it, there's a lot of questions there but yeah I, I think they're they're set up for it when you have good coaching like you said that makes up for a lot and replacing some guys is you, you got to do it every year uh and chris peterson seems to be as equipped to do that as as anybody yeah and the north was maybe down a little bit last year with oregon coming back coming down hard um and cratering a little bit but um i think uh i, I think the north is going to be I mean, if it was a little bit down last year, I think it's going to make another step back up this year. You know, we'll get into it, but Washington State, Stanford, both return a bunch of starters, even though Stanford had a bunch of high draft picks. And uh, um, Oregon should be better, um, you know, because 4-8 is pretty bad. So <laughs> you got to figure they'll be a little bit better. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think Washington will have some competition, but that's, I think that's still going to be a, a pretty good team this year. So let's uh, let's go east. Uh, we're going to talk about Washington State Cougars. And All right. Did our, did our man Barry Bolton have anything to say? Here you go. 
This is Barry Bolton for KugFan.com, Washington State Spring Ball Wrap-Up. Uh, Washington State wrapped up its 15 spring practices. Probably the biggest story was at running back. Running backs coach Jim Mastro told us right after the spring ended, if the season were to start today, James Williams and Keith Harrington would be 1-2. Given that Jamal Morrow and Gerard Wicks have been the primary starting backs, uh, both of them are seniors this coming year, that's significant. In part, it may be because Morrow and Wicks missed some time to injury this spring, but it also speaks uh, speaks to, to Williams' ascendance. He has a chance to be very, very special. And to Harrington's improvement as well, who spent last year mostly on the sideline. Uh, bottom line, Mastro and Mike Leach are very comfortable coming out of the spring with Williams and Harrington going out there as one-two. More on Wicks had breakout seasons last year, so Washington State looks strong uh, headed into 2017 in the backfield, both in terms of running the ball and obviously catching the ball out of the backfield in Mike Leach's air raid. Uh, over at wide receiver, replacing Gabe Marks and River Craycraft is a very tall order, but Wazoo did a nice job all in all this spring in the passing game. Tavares Martin, Isaiah Johnson Mack, two big reasons why, two outside receivers. Desmond Patman, another outside receiver, uh, second year sophomore, had argue, arguably the biggest breakout this spring, along with JC transfer Aesop Winston. Winston, Luke Falk says, has the best hands he's ever seen. So that's saying something. Still, at receiver, I think there's work to do in the spring game. Uh, the defensive backfield won that battle. Uh, Cougar quarterbacks had to go through their progressions more and more and trying to find an open guy. Over on defense, secondary all in all showed some feast or famine tendency, but they played better than they did last year. Um, they're capable of making the big play, but they're also capable of, capable of still giving up some of those big plays, so that's the consistency still is something they're in search of, but they look better than last year in, in terms of giving up that play that kind of extended the drive and, and ended up being a, a the distinctive part of that game. Biggest story on D, probably the defensive line. Washington State has a new coach in Jeff Phelps uh, up front, and his unit did well. Washington State did not get enough consistent heat on quarterbacks last year. Uh, they looked far better in that regard this spring, and they still look stout against the run as they did last year. Hercules Mata'afa, third-year junior who can play both the end and on the inside in Washington State's multiple front. Sky's the limit for him. He's capable of the wow play every time he runs it. And I think that he hit the three-minute mark there. So <laughs> I love it. That's I love what, it. That's what we do um, here. That was, the podcast of champions. That was great stuff from Barry. Um, you know, Desmond Patman is a name I remember from Seven on Seven Circuit because I remember there was one Seven on Seven. I think this was a couple of springs ago, um, where it was one of those. And Ryan knows about this, where you show up and you've heard there are going to be a bunch of guys there, and then there's no one there, <laughs> and you're just searching for something to do. You're trying to find somebody who looks good, and this is a guy who's six four, long, athletic, and he just kind of caught your eye a little bit um and you know he was a little raw then uh didn't have great hands but um he was one of those guys that you you know you're, if you're sitting there and you're just watching and you're watching and you're watching you say oh he he might be somebody someday um if he you know can make a little progress and it sounds like he has um washington state returns a bunch this year um i, I think uh 
Barry was probably going to get into returning starters before we rudely cut him off, but um, <laughs> they're going to return nine defensive starters from last year, seven offensive, and if you're going to lose offensive starters in a Mike Leach system, receivers fine. You know what? You can you, you can plug receivers into that system and not lose too much of a beat. Um, obviously, they're losing a couple of pretty good receivers, but um, I, I think they've they've got enough guys there, um, and they've been able to turn you know. What, what other teams would probably consider spare parts into some pretty credible receivers over the years. So um, Washington State should be pretty strong next year. I mean, they'll probably lose to some FCS team. I don't know if they're playing one this year, um, but <laughs> I, would, I wouldn't be shocked if they went 9-3, and 10-2 and two again. It's funny. When uh, you're talking about Washington State and the first words out of Barry's mouth are about the depth at running back, you're like, is this the right team? Like, what, <laughs> what are we talking about here? Um, and you wonder, like, I haven't seen much of James Williams or uh, or Keith Harrington, but the fact that they would put them ahead of two guys that were really productive last year is that like a coaching motivation factor? Like they weren't doing enough? I don't. I mean, it's interesting. That's it sounds a, like that was kind of um, an, a, a a story of the off of the spring for them, where they were talking about every job being open. Like there's some talk that Tyler Holinsky, the backup quarterback, really pushed Luke Falk and you know there's going to be a real competition there and yada 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 and it's all nonsense yeah the guy that throws for like 500 yards a game yeah let's bench him you know yeah I I wouldn't be shocked if uh, it ends up being uh, the opposite way with the running backs too yeah but like you know just it's interesting you know about the the you know the throwing the football over the field but I think the defense played pretty well there's like you know there's some feast or famine in the secondary sometimes giving up some big plays but uh you know it's encouraging to see them making some big plays too Maybe some, uh, you know, improved quarterback pressure on the defensive line will help the secondary as well. Uh, and you know, the offense is going to be good, but with, the, I love the fact that they would mix in the running game and they could have, you know, some games where they really running the football, you know, brought them to victory. Uh, you don't just have to rely on the pass, but you still are capable of going off, you know, Luke Falk and go off for 500 yards. So it's a, it's an interesting looking team up there. You know, a couple big wide receivers, John Ross and Gabe Marks and, you know, even Cray Crap, uh, not being up there, but it still should be. Uh, really fun up there in the state of Washington as far as the offenses go. Yeah, and I think both of those teams are going to be in contention again this year. I, I, it's hard to predict, you know, when a team is just going to like have the wheels fall off like Washington State did it two years ago. Um, but both of those teams look like contenders to me at this point. Let's, uh, okay, so we'll go a little further south and we'll start with a team that struggled a little bit last year. Oregon Ducks. <laughs> Let's see. Are, we're not doing this in geographical order anymore, Ryan. Corvallis is approximately <laughs> 20 miles north of Eugene. But okay, fine. All right. If you want to do it that way, if you want to get sloppy, that's fine. I'm very, um, all I'm, right. Fine. Let's hear from uh, who do we got? Do we have do we have Steve? Who we got? We got our buddy Steve. And I'm I'm sorry for the geographical mishap. I that's just all right. Washington, whatever. Washington State. I figure we go Oregon, Oregon State. So whatever. More of an alliteration. All right. Here we go. Oregon spring football went about as expected. No real surprises as the Willie Taggart uh, staff uh, took over on rebuilding the Oregon football program and the Duck brand. The spring saw the Ducks return to working on fundamentals and probably more importantly on enthusiasm and confidence. Shockingly, the Ducks had no seniors from last year's team drafted uh, this last weekend, but on April 28th, the day of the spring football game, the biggest story was the Avalanche of commitments. The Ducks received verbal commitments from a total of nine players during the spring workouts, eight of them since last Saturday. 
Of the total nine players that uh, have so far committed, six are four-star players, as rated by Scout.com, with two holding three stars and one unranked JC player. As far as the 2017 team goes, Tagger was satisfied with the progress of both the offense and defense. Oregon will return a powerful offense, but the big question, of course, is just how improved will the defense be, considering last season when the Ducks had the worst defense in years, even upgrading to an average Pac-12 defense uh, will be an accomplishment. There was no serious, uh, there were no serious injuries, rather, uh, this spring. Looking forward, this team still has a long way to go on defense, though offensively it will score points. Many of them in the press box felt that perhaps this team might be a 7-5 and team next season, but the defense, uh, if it does not gel, the Ducks might be lucky to win five games. For educk.com, this is Steve Summers. That was good. All right, um, so it's interesting looking at, you know, what Willie Taggart did at USF and how it's going to translate to um, Oregon. You know, he ran kind of a run-heavy spread-type scheme. It was a little bit more West Coast-based than, um, say, Helfrich or uh, Chip Kelly had before him, but um, it, it's going to be interesting. I mean, they return a bunch of starters. Now, how much that matters when you're changing systems um, you know, as anyone's guess, I, I don't know. I mean, obviously Steve has the the kind of close up look at it, but I, I kind of feel they could rebound pretty significantly this year. You know, a lot went wrong last year. Um, and they also just kind of got some bad luck at times. I wouldn't be stunned if they, you know, kind of did the palindrome season and went eight and four next year. Um, it wouldn't be a, that wouldn't be a shock to me. And I think Taggart is a good enough coach. Now, he has had a history of, you know, Taggart does take a year or two to get kind of rolling um, in his spots, but um, I wouldn't be stunned if they were they were a pretty decent team this year. I think significant turnaround is is not out of the question. I don't know if it's expected. Um, you know, you go from four and eight to like a six and six, like that that's fine, especially in the first year. But I kind of get the feeling, like you said, it might be a little bit better than that. Maybe it's hard to get to eight and four, but like. Seven and five would be a nice jump. And if you feel good about the direction of the program, I mean, the fans will be on board. Everyone will be, you know, kind of excited. You're going to, it's set up pretty nicely because you're going to, if you don't improve on four and eight, there's some really, something really wrong, you know? Yeah. Um, so that has to happen. Uh, how much improvement? And maybe you don't want to take too big of a step forward if you go eight and four or somehow win nine games. I mean, they're going to expect you to win the, the conference, you know, the next year. So. Uh, we'll see kind of what it goes with, but you know, no, we, we haven't talked about really injuries yet. I think the most important thing in spring is not to get anybody injured. So that's nice. You, you don't do that. Um, the defense has to get better. The Brady Hoke thing just did not work last year. Um, it was bad. I think the offense will be good, you know, and I, you know, what is Taggart going to run? Uh, you know, he's got that, you know, some of the West Coast ties where like, is it going to be, you know, are we not going to see what we normally see out of Oregon? Is it going to be some kind of, mix or adaptation i don't know i mean it's interesting it'll be to see what happens but i think overall the offense should be fine i think they'll be able to move the ball uh maybe it'll be you know open and fun but i I think it will be an effective offense it's just you need the defense to be able to do something so if he can uh stir up some magic on that side of the ball it would help a lot yeah and i think a lot gets made about the four and eight last year and you know especially the loss to washington where they just got utterly killed but I mean, they lost three games by 
three points apiece last year. They lost at Nebraska by three. They lost Colorado by three, and they lost to Cal by three in double overtime. I mean, you you flip one of those results, it's five and seven. You flip two of them at six and six. Um, you know, they had they played what was it four close games within two to three points, and they only won one of those. Um, so I, I think rebounding from that to eight and four, I don't think is that significant. Um, you know, the offense was good last year. I don't think it was, you know, Dan Rubenstein, our buddy from Solid Verbal, he, his his argument is that, yeah, the defense was trash, but the offense wasn't at that transcendent level that it needed to be to make up for that. And um, maybe it gets back to that. I mean, they returned basically everyone. Um, and Justin Herbert with another year under his belt, you know, he might be, you know, he might be very, very good this year. Um, and they get Royce Freeman back, which was unexpected. Yes. Um, so I, I think there's a lot to, you know, I'm, I'm not saying they're going to be 10 and two and winning the PAC 12, but I, I wouldn't be stunned if they're eight and four and contending in the North. I don't think that's, that's out of the question at all. With, you know, it's, I think Freeman is an amazing back just watching him from high school and all the way through. He might, you know, do you think he could have like a huge benefit having Taggart there? I just think it's going to help his game a lot. And he's yeah. a, he's a bona fide superstar and they just, he needs to, you need to see him out there being a superstar, and I think he'll have that opportunity with Taggart. Yeah. All right, do you want to go 20 miles back north, um, the opposite way that we should have been going, and talk about Oregon State now? Yeah, let's backtrack to... Oregon State Beavers. What does Angie have to say? Here you go. Hey, Ryan, it's Angie. Let's try this again. Oregon State has finished its spring practice over five weeks ago as the Beavers had their spring football game on March 18th, way earlier than the typical March time frame that we have seen in the past. Really, for all of spring practice, it has been a real focus on the offense as Coach Anderson looks to bring a more productive offense to the field in 2017. The Beavers have obviously had their struggles on offense and uh, no more so really than the quarterback position in the passing game. He brought in a new quarterback coach, Jason Phillips, who has spent a ton of time in the run and shoot, working with SMU, and um, has huge ties into the Houston area. The receiver has been a huge uh, factor in this offseason as his quarterback, and the Beavers brought in a new quarterback from the J.C. ranks, and Jake Luton, and really we feel that this job is it's his to lose. He's a, a big 6'5", 230-pound quarterback who can sling it on the field. So maybe more of a divergence to more of an air raid or air raid style of offense and less of the option that we've seen from Coach Anderson's offenses in the past. Coach, uh, with Jake Luton, also Marcus McMarion is in the mix, as well as Daryl Gerritsen, who had a broken foot at the end of last season, and uh, was, in fact, in play for the Beavers this spring practice. At receiver, the Beavers are really looking to uh, to make some moves there, including two true freshmen that graduated early and took part. The big one was Isaiah Hodgins, the four-star out of the Bay Area. He really started looking good. He, he looked good the first couple days of practice and then kind of had a, a stall-out point, but by the end was really kind of starting to click with that offense. The other big piece of that offense, however, is the offensive line, as the Beavers look to replace three offensive linemen to graduation, including Sean Harlow and Dustin Stanton. The Beavers are using a lot of youth and also moved a former defensive tackle in Sumner Houston into the center spot, so uh, lots to look for there. As far as the defense, the defense seemed way ahead of the offense this spring, but um, you know the Beavers are going to be looking to replace a couple big-time defensive backs Will four-star cornerback safety Christian Wallace live up to all of his hype? 
That's still uh, to be determined as the Beavers look to open fall camp actually early this fall with a game August 26th at Colorado State. For the latest, check out beaverblitz.com. Very cool, Angie. Um, a game August 26th. Wow. Yeah. That is early. Um, so Oregon State uh, last year, um, you know, we talked about Oregon being only a couple of, you know, bad breaks from being 6-6. Six and six. Oregon State, kind of the same deal. Um, you know, they lost some close games. Uh, they had a chance to beat Washington State, had a chance to beat Utah. Um, they were kind of in it with Stanford for a while. Um, they, they, they definitely bounced back last year from what has been a pretty tough run for them. Um, it's going to be interesting if they actually are changing offenses a little bit, um, going more to a, an air raid. The offense has been the issue. Um, last year, uh, the defense was probably about average. The offense still struggled some. Um, you know, it found some moments. Uh, Marcus McMarion actually played really well at times, so it's interesting that he's still in the mix. Um, but if if they go to an air raid system, it's you know that's going to be interesting, especially with breaking in three new offensive linemen. Um, that might that might take another year. Um, and you know, I think Gary Anderson has some time. I think he bought himself some time with last year because they showed some progress. They won the Civil War, um, so th- he's probably got some time there to develop. You know, in a system, develop develop some guys in a you know a new air raid type system but that'll be interesting to see how that works i i don't have a i don't have a good feel for but when you have to change offenses you know two years into a tenure um it can be a little tricky yeah when you're talking about it's it's a pretty big change too you know um but uh, you know i think if you're trying to figure out what works in your particular neck of the woods and you're in a really competitive pac 12 north if that's what Gary Anderson thinks the right way to go, then, you know, he's the coach and you kind of move that direction. I, I don't mind it. Um, they needed something. You, you needed to, if you kind of stay the same course and not much changing, um, they were close in some games and their four and eight, I think was a lot different than Oregon's four and eight. I mean, they had not won a Pac 12 game in 2015 to winning three last year. So that's a big jump. You know, that, that is a significant jump. You're actually competing in Pac 12 games, you know, beat your rival. Uh, so there, but you do need to improve on that still. And so, um, it'll be interesting to kind of see how that plays out. I haven't seen much of Jake Luton. Um, uh, but you know, if, if they do put an air raid offense in and it's a good system there, he could just come in and as a JC and play like gangbusters. So yeah, they've, it's so many weird, you know, in and out with the quarterback stuff and receivers coming and playing court, all kinds of weird stuff with going on at Oregon State. So they need some kind of stability there. Maybe Jake Luton. Uh, could do that, but they definitely need a more productive offense. Might be tough, uh, replacing a bunch of offensive linemen, you know, moving a defensive tackle over to the offensive side of the ball. You don't expect that to work out all the time, but you know, we'll see. We'll see kind of what happens there. And I don't mind if you're relying on freshman wide receivers, Dave. That seems to be one of the easier positions to kind of pick up. Maybe you don't play every spot and maybe you're not the best downfield blocker or whatever, but. Uh, you got guys that were in there early as freshmen, early enrollees, a couple of guys. They get a whole spring and the whole offseason to work with the team. They should be fine if you have to, if you have to play freshman wide receivers come fall. Yeah, I tend to agree. Um, I think it's, it, the more critical piece is the offensive line. And if they can get that figured out, then the offense might be a little bit better than last year. Um, among the North teams, I don't, you know, I, I, I said all of, you know, Washington, Washington State and Oregon might be contenders. I don't feel like Oregon State's going to be there yet. I think if they, you know, they're, Having to change quarterbacks again, they're having some turnover on the offensive line. Um, I think it'll be another year before we can, you know, reasonably start thinking about them as a potential contender. But Gary Anderson kind of surprised us last year. I think we had that team pegged at like two and ten, um, and they 
were better than that and maybe even a little bit better than their four and eight records. So, um, you know, maybe they'll surprise us again, but I just don't, I, I don't see them as making the leap above a 500 team this year. I think I could see six and six, but even that might be a stretch. It's funny. You look at this, the way this team is set up and I, I would guess like over the next four years, my, my if I had to predict what's going to happen, I would think that it'll be like a six and six kind of average. Like maybe they improve a little bit more this year and they win, you know, maybe four pack 12 games. They go six and six or something like that. But once over the next four years, they will be an anomaly year, like a really good year. Like they beat a bunch of people. Maybe they beat Washington and Oregon and stuff like that. Like, and they just have like this exceptional year, but it's not one that would be sustained, but it'll be enough where everything's going to click in one year. You know what I mean? Like one year it clicks and they just do really well. Right. Yeah. I could, I could absolutely see that. Um, okay. So we'll, uh, we'll stay in the Pac-12 North, move down into the Golden State and talk about California Golden Bears. <laughs> Yeah, because screw it. Once we've already given up on geography, let's just let's just go whole hog, right? Right. Uh, Cal's more north than Stanford, is it not? Yeah, yeah. But is uh, is Salt Lake City more north than than the Bay Area? I thought we were doing the Pac-12 North yeah, yeah, first. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. So, man, we we should have a production meeting went three hours before the show, <laughs> and we should have gone over this more thoroughly. Um, all right, let's hear from uh, our man Ryan Gorsey. <laughs> This is Ryan Gorsey, publisher of BearTerritory.net, FirstScout.com. We're looking over Cal's spring ball. Of course, the Bears have a brand-new coaching staff, top-to-bottom overhaul, and they're also looking to replace a quarterback for the second year in a row. Did we get any clarity on that race? I think a little bit, but I also think it's kind of down to stylistic preference, and I think this staff is going to look at Ross Bowers, the redshirt sophomore, over the redshirt junior, Chase Forrest. Bowers is a little more explosive. He can make throws on the run. It's not going to look very pretty, but he's very good in terms of improv- in terms of improvisation. He's got an explosive arm. He can make throws downfield. And since Cal is going to be having a lot more to say in the run game, and they're going to be using a traditional tight end more, the fact that Forrest is a little bit better on those short and intermediate routes can be can be supplemented with Bowers back to center by the additions to the run game. And of course, throwing to the tight end using that as a safety valve. Defensively, Cal has been one of the worst in the nation for the last three years in terms of stopping the run one year and in terms of stopping the pass two years ago. So how do the Bears move forward? Well, you have a new defensive staff in headed by head coach Justin Wilcox, who is a defensive coordinator at USC, Washington, and most recently, Wisconsin. We're seeing Cal move to a two-gap, three-man front. Uh, it's going to be a 3-4 system. Some of Cal's former defensive ends have dropped back and become outside linebackers. Evan Weaver looks very, very, uh, sorry, it was uh, Cameron Saffle who looked very, very good coming off the edge. A lot of speed. Weaver was hurt, but we expect to see him once fall camp starts. Another guy who I think is going to be able to play very well in space. Alex Funches, I think, surprised a lot of folks. A Juco defensive end who has a perfect body type for the outside linebacker. Freshman Elijah Hicks is definitely going to crack the two deep at corner. He's an early enrollee, former four-star Notre Dame commit. Looks like he's going to be a really exciting addition. He had an interception, one of two, in the spring game. Cal does bring back their two starting corners in Darius Allensworth and Marlo Sean Franklin. Safety's going to be a bit dicey, but you do have guys 
in Malik Psalms and Evan Rambo, who've played a little bit before. I think Jalen Hawkins is going to be uh, an impact player there. Still don't know a lot of the pieces on both sides because there were a lot of guys held out. You didn't see defensive tackle James Looney, who I think in a 3-4 system will move to the defensive end spot. Looks like they're going to go with their best three, you know, regardless of how, of what they actually are or what they were recruited as as a D-tackle, a nose-tackle, or defensive. And, and we don't have a lot of clarity on the offensive line, at least in terms of depth. We do have a pretty firm front five, but again, depth. Okay. Ryan, Dor- Ryan Garcia. Yes. Um, what were the odds that he was going to be one of the guys that got cut off? Oh, <laughs> uh, Ryan, that was good stuff. Um, <laughs> to be fair, so I didn't warn them. I didn't warn everybody. I think, I, well, maybe I did. I don't know. But it was. Uh, I'm just happy everyone responded. You know, this is this is this is this is live radio or whatever it is we do here. <laughs> um, so uh, Cal's not going to be good this year. Um, they hired Justin Wilcox as their new head coach, um, and he's never been a head coach, so it's going to be really interesting to see what he does. Uh, but they've got a quarterback competition. They've got some issues on the offensive line. They've got some issues on defense. It's new playbooks, new schemes, new positions, and uh, and they've got to reload recruiting wise. It's a major, major rebuild. Um, and you know they've got a guy in Wilcox who, you know, it's kind of a you know whenever you hire a guy who has no experience, it's kind of a crapshoot. You know, you don't know if he's going to be the guy or if he's not. Um, so it's going to be really, really interesting to see how that works. Um, quarterback competition between Chase Forrest and Ross Bowers. Um, yeah, I, 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 I've seen some of both of them, and I'm, uh, you know, neither of those guys is a Jared Goff by any stretch of the imagination, or even uh, Davis Webb. Um, so I think they're going to have some issues this year. I think this could be. Um, uh, if, if I was betting on it right now, I think they're going to be the worst team in the North. Um, I think they're going to be in sixth place up there. Um, I think it might be a struggle to win more than a couple of games. Um, and that should be the expectation going in. I don't think anybody should be expecting this team to contend in any real way, even for a bowl game. Yeah, I mean, they won eight games with Jared Goff a couple of years ago. Uh, Davis Webb, who, you know, going to be in the NFL, they won five games there. I'm not sure. It seems like there's a little bit of a drop off with whoever the next quarterback's going to be. And this offense, you know, this team just relied on, you know, great quarterbacks making great plays. I'm just not sure you're going to be able to rely on that. And like you said, first year head coach. I mean, I covered Justin Wilcox for a couple of years. I, I thought he did well at other places I saw him, but he didn't do really well, uh, at USC, at least in my opinion. Um, but, you know, being a head coach is a whole nother animal. And like you said, when you, when you hire someone that's never done that job before, there's a lot of risk. There's inherent risk. And, you know, he could be the best head coach ever. We just don't know. Um, it's, uh, I think it's a lot to ask for Cal to be able to do something, improve on the five and seven record, uh, from last year. And, you know, my guess would be fairly big step back, like Dave said. And then if things kind of get in place, uh, there'll be some more shakeup on the staff, you know, different, you know, guys will transfer out, you get new recruits in and just kind of start that, you know, you, you maybe bottom out in 2017 and start the upward tick in 2018 would be my guess. Um, but man, it's just, it's like, it was a really weird hire for me, Dave. I just didn't see that one coming. I was like, Oh, okay. Um, let's see how that works out. You know, maybe it works out, but I wouldn't bet that it would. No, I, you know, they hired some decent coordinators, so we'll see. I mean, getting Bo Baldwin as your offensive coordinator is a pretty nice thing. Um, but they've, 
I mean, they don't have a whole lot to work with this year. Um, and so it's going to, I think they need to really hit, you know, the JC ranks heading into the following season, heading into 2018. Um, they need to get some guys who can immediately play. Um, and they need to get into kind of, you know, the, the stop gaps before the, you know, the people they recruit start getting in. Cause you know, Wilcox pretty good recruiter. Um, and they've, you know, got some decent recruiters on that staff so maybe they can start reloading but I, I i mean i think it's a multi-year rebuild just looking at kind of the roster and looking at what they have to work with i think it's i think we're probably looking at 2019 before they're you know potentially back in the mix as a as a potential north contender all right uh we'll see there and then our, our last team in the pack 12 north stanford cardinal Stanford. All right. Should we hear from RJ? Is that we who we got? Sh- we shall. Here you go. After completing its two-session bifurcated spring practice session with the declaration on the very outset that nothing really would be decided, Stanford gleefully went through its four weeks of practice and decided pretty much nothing. The battle for the backup quarter posi- quarterback position behind Keller Christ, who is injured with a knee problem that should be resolved by the start of summer camp between K.J. Costello and Ryan Burns was, as we said, pretty much unresolved, with both players getting pretty much an equal amount of reps and neither really seizing the job or giving the coaches any reason to make a firm declaration as to who the backup would be. Offensive line also remains a bit of a mystery because of the conviction of most that either incoming freshman Walker Litter, Little and or Foster Sorrell will be taking a starting job at tackle on the Cardinal offensive line. Finally, the defensive line, about which there are many questions behind the starting group, which includes Harrison Phillips and Dylan Jackson, still has yet to prove itself in terms of depth. One last minor tidbit, Stanford has a kicking competition going on. It looks at the moment like Jet Toner will probably be the guy who wins that job, and yes, Jet Toner is a real name, but... Like everything else this spring, Coach Shaw gleefully decided nothing would be resolved because nothing pretty much has to be resolved at this point. So that's the story from Stanford. For the bootleg.com, this is RJ Abadia. All right, good stuff from RJ. Good brief stuff from yeah. RJ. That's what I like there. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, I think this is going to be one of those years where Stanford, yeah, they have some questions to answer. They lost Solomon Thomas on the defensive line, and defensive line depth hasn't been great for the last couple of years. They've had, you know, a really good starting group, but then it's always been hit or miss whether they have anybody behind them. Um, but yeah, they've got some things to figure out. I think Stanford's going to be really good this year. I think they're going to do the thing where, you know, last year they had the brief, you know, issue at the beginning of the year. And then they finish as a 10-win team. Um, I think uh, I, I think they're going to rebound again this year. I think they'll be back to being a North contender. Um, and I think uh, I think they're going to have a, a you know they just they just signed a, a really stupid recruiting class with a bunch of like number one guys at their positions or you know they signed the top two tackles in the country. Um, and you know typically when you're having to start you know freshman offensive linemen it's not a good thing. But when they're the top two tackles in the country, if you have to start one of them. Not such a big deal. That's okay. Um, so I, I think they're going to be pretty good this year. I think they're going to be a contender in the North, um, and I think they're going to uh, continue uh, what has been a pretty incredible run for the last, what is it now, seven, eight years? So 
there's always elite talent there, Dave. And you saw it with Solomon Thomas and uh, Christian McCaffrey leaving. But then, like you said, the guys coming in, uh, it wasn't the big recruiting class, but it was elite. You know, there were guys, just, you know, everyone they recruited seems like ranked the highest in their position or right up there. Um, so, you know, RJ was talking a little bit about depth concerns on the defensive line. And we've seen this defensive line be like three or four deep, you know, just, I mean, th- you know, for four positions, like four guys and still be fine. Um, I think they'll be okay. You know, you just got to avoid some injuries. Uh, it's just one of those teams. It's kind of like the San Antonio Spurs. Like you, you, people write them off and then they just come right back and they just have this system that works and elite players and they just do their thing. And, uh, I kind of agree with you. Like it was a, it looked like a bad year going to the Sun Bowl, but you win 10 games. Uh, didn't have your superstar in the bowl game. Um, it, you know, I think McCaffrey does so much. It's, a, it's hard to replace that on everything. Like, uh, just not just what he does as a running back, but, you know, catching the ball and returning kicks and all that kind of stuff. That's, that's hard. And a Solomon Thomas, like, you just, just, you know, that's the way he's able to disrupt opposing offenses. I think those are really important factors, but they got other guys. So I think they'll be fine. Um, you know, they got to bounce back and not get smoked by Washington and Washington State again. And I, I don't think they will. Uh, but you know, Stanford's good again. The other teams we talked about being good, you know, Oregon better, Washington, Washington State. I mean, it's going to be a really interesting run to try to make it through this Pac 12 North. Uh, it could be a lot of fun. Yeah. And uh, you know, it's going to be interesting. I think Keller Chris had an offseason ACL. So that's going to be, you know, guys have been recovering from those quicker and quicker and quicker and when you're not at like a position where you have to do a whole bunch of pivoting and you know change of direction and all that kind of stuff you can generally get cleared a little bit earlier um but you know how his recovery goes whether he's back by august you know that'll maybe play a role in the prediction because then they might have to start ryan burns um against rice uh in august um but you know that's it's a concern. I don't know how significant it is. I think he'll be back by the time the the schedule gets kind of meaty. Um, and then, you know, what are they going to do at running back without McCaffrey? You know, I think Bryce loves was pretty damn good last year. Um, but we'll see. And, uh, I, I just think they've got enough talent across the board. I think defensively they've got enough talent. I think, um, you know, I heard read reports that Curtis Robinson, who was a guy we all liked, um, on the recruiting circuit, he's kind of emerged, um, this spring. Um, and, uh, you know, if they, if they find a good, uh, a good group on the offensive line, that's been the key to basically everything Stanford has done offensively over the last five or six years. Um, and it sounds like they've got some pieces. Um, it's one of those years where they've got, you know, enough younger guys that they can do those jumbo packages and have them actually be, you know, pretty, pretty powerful stuff. You know, you have to imagine that Foster Sorrell and, uh, Walker Little, they're going to play even if they don't start and do, you know, kind of the, the ogre packages that they do. So, yeah, I, I think they're going to be good. You know, maybe they start a little bit slower because, you know, Chris's health and, you know, figuring out what their complexion is going to be offensively. But I think they're going to be a very, very, very good team by, you know, a few games into the season. Um, well, that's the Pac-12 North. And uh, it looks really tough, like we think. You know, maybe Oregon State and Cal are the only two that – won't contend, but four legitimate contenders. Um, you know, maybe Oregon's on the outside looking in, but still, there's a shot there. It should be, I think it's going to be really tough, Dave, uh, to get through that. And whoever represents the Pac-12 North, that's going to be a formidable team. Yeah, I think, um, I think we'll get into it now, but, um, I think the North is, it's the tougher division, just like eyeballing it from this perspective at the end of, 
you know, at the beginning of a, uh, the beginning of May, um, I, I would say that's definitely the tougher side of the the Pac-12 right now. Um, one thing I wanted to talk about before we jump into the South, and we have to decide: do we want to go geographically south to north in the South, or go? You've ge- already screwed it up so badly. <laughs> so let's just let's just do it willy nilly. Let's pick the names out of a hat. Okay, but okay. So one topic I w- forgot to bring up at the very top of the show. Um, I retweeted this from our uh, Podcast of Champions Twitter account. So do you want to do you want to touch on this briefly? Yeah. Before let's we do go it. into okay, so uh, this was an article on al.com. So that's the you know in Alabama from John uh, Talty. Uh, so this is the third. This will be the third anniversary of the SEC network, and uh, even though there's all this cord cutting and stuff going on, and they've lost subscribers. Um, it's still valued the SEC network at four point just about just under four point seven billion dollars. Uh, actually, a little bit less than what it was in 2015. This is for 2016. The Big Ten network, which is widely successful, it's it's a huge success, is valued at one point one one point four two billion dollars. Um, so way below what the SEC network is, and that's a really good network that does really well. The Pac-12 network. Um, is like a rounding error for the SEC. It's $305 million, uh, from $4.7 billion for the SEC to $305 million for the Pac-12. Is that discouraging to hear? Is that bad? That seems bad. Um, <laughs> order of magnitude. If you want to like Google that, like that's bad. You know, you don't want yeah, to. it's bad. Um, I think uh I think in the long run it's definitely well it's there's a lot of moving parts here. I'm going to sound like Larry Scott for a second. Um as the cord cutting gets more extreme, it's going to be really interesting to see whether the Pac-12 looks smart or very very dumb for its design of, you know, trying to make it completely league owned. Um I don't know. I don't know enough about the particulars. From this perspective, from right now, it looks very stupid. Um, and it looks like they're just getting completely trounced. And the whole thing with hiring Larry Scott originally and going to a Pac-12 and doing all this stuff was to make the Pac-12 more than just what it was, which was kind of a sleepy backwater, um, you know, regional league under, uh, who was it? Tom Hansen. Um, and, you know, this, <laughs> There's nothing more backwater than being a full like billion dollars less than a top league. Um, so from that perspective, it's very bad. I, I, I don't know if in like the 10, I, and I don't know if you can really think in these terms because so many things change over, it, it, so many things are changing so quickly in terms of technology and what people are prioritizing and all those things. I don't know if you can look at things from a 10 year perspective. In the 10 year long run, maybe the Pac 12 comes out a little bit ahead. I don't know, but I don't even know if you can look at it like that. Because they're just getting so shellacked right now. It's a shellacking. Uh, yeah. you know, four point whatever, six, seven billion dollars and three hundred five million dollars. Like that's what these are valuing. And there's, you know, seven networks on the back of what like this. There was just a lot of bad decisions made and mistakes I think, were made. Mistakes were made, Ryan. Yeah. And it's, it's really like you make, hey, you know what? Let's do this way. And then you kind of double down on those bad decisions and you're throwing bad money. You know, good money after bad. And, uh, it's just, they, they need to make changes. They needed to partner up with somebody. This is bad. Uh, they, you know, why, why are you showing 
replays of some soccer game instead of having like original Pac-12 programming. There's a lot of stuff you could be doing and showing, you know, well, this is good. We're going to show it on a regional network, but not on the national. There's just so many choices and so much crap going on. And then you see like the new streaming services coming out. Um, oh, here's, uh, I think it was Hulu came or, or I don't know. I forget the most recent one and all that you can get every other sports network except the Pac-12 on it. You're like, how are you not even getting on these new streaming networks? So it's just, there's going to be too many opportunities to not see this network. People aren't seeing it. They, it's not available. Uh, and they're just not doing a very good job with it. They have to blow this up and start again because it's not working. Yeah. Yeah. I tend to agree. Okay. Um, but we just wanted to kind of bring that topic up. So we're going to go Pac-12 South now and I will continue South. Uh, to north and the most northern Pac-12 South team is Utah Utes. These two Utes, um, yeah. Let's hear from uh, who's it? Brian Swinney. Is we that got, who we got? We got right here. Brian Swinney with UteZone.com covering the University of Utah spring football, all wrapped up for the Utes. And nothing too big standing out. Utah has their new offense that's being installed with their brand new offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach Troy Taylor coming from Eastern Washington. Results, hard to say at this point. The running game looks good as it always does. Quarterbacks, still a little bit of a question mark. Troy Williams does have the edge in the quarterback battle. He's a returning starter. Tyler Huntley, who was the backup last year, did not have a very good spring, struggled a little bit. And Cooper Bateman, the graduate transfer from Alabama, who's a local Utah kid, may have ended up passing him on the depth chart. So we'll see what quarterback situation looks like as we get into fall. The offensive line, Utah strength last year that had four players drafted the NFL draft, definitely a weakness heading into the season, which is not Utah-like. They're going to have to get some work done on that offensive line to make sure they're ready. The defense, it is what it is. Utah defense are all, defenses are always good, and they will continue to be good, and they were very, very good in spring ball. Standouts in spring, running back Devonta Henry-Cole, who only had one carry all of last season as a freshman, was very, very good. Jack Moss, another running back who had quite a few carries as a freshman last year, was good but ended up breaking his arm in the spring game. Wide receiver Raylon Singleton looks like the best of the receiving bunch, and on the offensive line, it's going to be led by Jackson Barton and Leka Uatafe, although the other three spots are very questionable and up in the air. We'll see if Utah can get some J.C. help. That defense, the defensive line, like I said, Still very good. They should get Kylie Fitz back soon, and Chase Hansen was a monster in his time in the spring. Overall, a productive spring for the youth. They'll look to build on that offensive line and get a little bit better and get a better offense going in general and hopefully secure that quarterback spot by the time they get into fall camp. I'm Brian Swinney with Zone. Zone on the scout.com network. All right, good stuff from Brian. Yeah, I think with Utah, the big question, as it kind of has always been, because you know what you're getting generally with that defense is – Will they have even a semi-productive offense? At times they have, and they've been pretty damn good. And at times they haven't, and they've still been okay. Um, you know, I think some of those early Travis Wilson years were dark times for the Utah offense, but they still turned out some pretty decent teams because uh, the defense was so good. Um, it's going to be really interesting to see what Troy Taylor can bring to the table, um, if he can bring any of that Eastern Washington magic uh, to Utah's offense. Doing it without a bunch of offensive linemen from last year is going to be tough. Um you know, Utah, the offense offense wasn't great last year, and, and Troy Williams kind of struggled, and he had a lot of uh, a lot of pretty good offensive linemen in front of him. going to be interesting to see what he does with a, a somewhat weak offensive line in front of him. Um, but 
Defensively, they should be good. I think they'll be, uh, you know, I, I hate to make predictions about Utah because they generally outperform anything I ever say about them. <laughs> um, but at this point, I think they're 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 probably going to be a, a you know a better than average team. But I would be I'd be a little bit surprised if they were the class of the Pac-12 South or even the strong number two this year. I mean, they won ten games in 2015, nine games last year. But there's always those like. There's just something missing. There's always something a little bit missing. And I'm, I'm curious to see how this plays out. Cause I do feel the offense is going to get better. Even though you got to replace so many guys on the offensive line, I think they'll figure that out. But sometimes when you get a, a more potent offense, Dave, you see the defense suffer where the, the defense is playing really well, but it's kind of used to being more of a slobber knocker game where there's not a whole bunch of points being scored. And if the offense starts put up a lot of points and the defense starts giving up some more, um, but, I, I don't I don't see it being a huge factor, but I think that's there's some potential there for that uh, that the defense maybe takes a little bit of a step back. But they you know really good this they always have great defensive linemen. I mean they lose Stevie Tuikolavatu to to USC last year. He ended up getting drafted, you know, and like he was like a third string guy when he was at Utah. So they've always produced talent there. Uh, I think on both lines, I think they'll be fine. I want to see Troy Williams take that the next step because I really you know we covered him in high school. Really like what he. Yeah. brought to the table and just you know there was just something missing last year so maybe uh with Troy Taylor um he's able to kind of catch on and and you know it could be big like if it if everything works and it starts clicking he could have an absolutely huge year you know um so yeah it's hard it's going to be hard to predict what Utah does cuz they probably win 9 or 10 games again i would think but it could be a little bit better or maybe it could be a little worse yeah i i I'd probably, I would probably take the under if you gave me, if you gave me nine. I'd probably take the under on wins for them, but I say that they're going to win 11 games and then I'm going to look like an idiot again, <laughs> uh, which is kind of the, the rule of the day here. Uh, but I, I think it looks more like a, a, an eight and four type Utah team to me. I just don't, I, I think they're going to struggle a little bit more than usual offensively and that'll keep them from kind of reaching the heights they've reached the last couple of years. All right, should we move on? Let's move on. Let's go to one of my favorite college towns. Colorado Buffalo. My favorite college team, Colorado Buffaloes. This. You uh you are a huge fan. I've I've long time, long time big fan. Um <laughs> all right, let's hear from uh, Adam Munster Tiger. This spring at Colorado was primarily about three new defensive coaches, including new defensive coordinator DJ Elliott and four mid-year junior college additions on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, basically, all those guys getting on the same page. The Buffs lose eight st- defensive starters off last year's team, including four players that were just selected in the NFL draft. Newcomer Javier Edwards, one of those mid-year junior college additions, is going to be a key piece for Colorado in 2017. He was actually uh, verbally committed to both Florida and Arkansas during the recruiting process and switched it up last minute, signed with the Buffs instead. He's a massive nose tackle that played at six foot three, three hundred and eighty-five pounds at Blinn College last season. Edwards is now posting record numbers in the weight room for the Buffaloes, and he's trying to get down to about three sixty uh, for the twenty seventeen season and be called upon to uh, try to plug up both those A gaps in the Buffaloes three four defensive scheme. On the offensive side of the ball, this spring was about Steven Montez really taking ownership of the offense following the graduation of Cepho Lufau. Aside from uh, Lufau, a tight end and an offensive lineman, the Buffs are going to return every other starter on the offensive side of the ball. And Colorado almost has an embarrassment of riches at wide receiver with Jawan Winfrey coming back from a torn ACL and 
Kavion Ento emerged this spring at the position as well to go along with already established receivers, Sheffield, Bryce Bobo, Devin Ross, and Jay McIntyre. Montez practiced with a lot of confidence this spring, and although practices were closed, by all accounts, he took a step forward from where he was last year. Uh, Montez is more talented, more talented than Cepho Lufau, and I really don't think anyone would debate me on that. The question here is, is he going to be able to fill the leadership in intangibles void that uh, Cepho Lufau seemed to have in spades during his time in Boulder? Given the turnover on defense, it's going to be tough for Colorado to repeat what they did last season, obviously 10 wins, a South Division title, but they do have an easy non-conference schedule and a lot of firepower on offense coming back, so this should be a bowl team again in 2017. Reporting from Boulder for BuffStampede.com, this is Adam Munster-Tiger. Bowl team again. That's what I like to hear yeah. from, my, uh, from my Buffaloes. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, they lost a lot defensively. Um, bringing in some JC guys to come in and try to start is probably a good bet there. Um, offensively, I think you would agree, but I think we both kind of like Steven Montez a little bit more than Sefa Lufau last year. Yeah. Um, and there were times, especially towards the end of the year, where Lufau really wasn't playing well, and we thought, maybe it's time to bring Steven Montez in. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm excited to see what he does with a full year of knowing he's the starter going into the season and having that just kind of be... Uh, his job going in. Um, he returns a lot of receiver talent. Offensively, they return a bunch of guys. I think they've got nine starters returning, um, not including Montez. Um, and Montez started some games last year. So I think they've, uh, they've got the potential to be a better offense this year, I think. Um, and I think they'll take a step back defensively. But like uh, Adam said, I wouldn't be shocked if they're a bowl team again. I wouldn't either. And that's, uh, I mean, a significant jump it was made from 2015 to 16, obviously. Uh, you know, winning one Pac-12 game, uh, to, you know, being a 10-win team. I mean, that's pretty significant. I do think it's going to be tough, uh, to replace a lot of the, not just the talent, but the senior leadership that you had on the defensive side of the football. I think it really helped this team, uh, kind of get through last year, but it should be, I think, enough of a confidence boost that this team is ready to go to a bowl game. Maybe not, maybe it's not a 10-win season, but it's still, you know, Going to bowl games are a big deal. You know, you look at last year, you can't compare it as much to last year. Um, I, I don't think it was an anomaly. I just think it was, everything kind of worked and McIntyre's doing a lot of good things where it should be building on it. But maybe this year it's a little bit of a step back, but on the way forward in general. And with Montez, yeah, you know, Stefan Lufa, we, but you, you love him. He's a tough kid. He's just, he's getting her out there, getting banged around and stuff. But I thought there were times, Dave, where. Montez looked good and they were kind of switching the, you know, Lufau would come in and they'd take him out. And there was, I think it kind of screwed up some of his, some of the continuity yeah. there, where if you just let him go, it's like you're calling the guy up to, to warm up in the bullpen and sit him down and call him up. It just didn't seem to be working. Now he's going to be the guy. And I think as long as he stays healthy, I think that'll help him a lot. They, cause he saw, there were some signs last year, just some really good things. But it just felt like when you when when Lufau would come back, it would just kind of give Montez a step back, and I think that will be alleviated when he's just the guy. Yeah, I agree, and I, I felt that too at different times that he was his progress as a player was kind of interrupted by trying to get Sefo in there. Um, looking at their schedule, um, nothing really stands out from the actual schedule. It looks pretty manageable in the non-con. It's Colorado State, Texas State, Northern Colorado, but they go eleven weeks without a bye week. Like the first 11 weeks of the season are just game, 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 game. 
um, and then they get a bye before Utah at the end of the season. But that's going to be a that's going to be a tough road. Um, but uh, manageable non-con, I think. You know, I think six and six is the minimum goal this year, and then I think uh, you know you, you have a stretch goal of you know eight and four, nine and three, and I think uh, anything in that six and six to eight and four, nine and three, I think that's a win for Colorado, and it's a sign that progress is continuing to be made. I think it's good. I mean, and being able to you know you should go three and zero oh, uh, in the non-conference, and for sure, uh, you would think, right? Um, if there was, you know, we we saw what was it two years ago? They end up losing to Hawaii when we were like. You know, the quest to get it on a bowl game. And then last year, you know, it was kind of that heartbreaker to Michigan, uh, when Lufau got hurt. Um, there's some potential there. So now you don't have a team like Michigan on the schedule. You should be able to go three and oh in the non-conference schedule. And then, you know, can, how many games can you win, uh, you know, in the Pac-12? They, they only Actually, lost. I mean, my six and six is looking a little low because you're going to probably sweep the non-con Colorado State, Texas State, Northern Colorado. Then they get Arizona at home, and we'll get to Arizona in a second, but I don't think they're going to be great. They get Cal at home, and we just talked about Cal, and they're not going to be great. So they really have to just pick up a couple more games to get to 7-5 and five among, you know, Washington will be tough at home, maybe. At UCLA, they've got a chance there. At Oregon State, they've got a chance there. You know, at Washington State's tough, but at ASU, they've got a chance there. And at Utah, I think that's a game, too. So you take two or three of those, suddenly you're at, at 7-5 and five or 8-4, and four, so... Yeah, it's uh I mean it's I think it's pretty bright. So there yeah, some some work to do. Uh great receiving core, so Montez should be able to to throw it around and I, it should be exciting. It should be a fun team to watch. Um just can't get they have to be able to you know be decent on defense after replacing all those guys cuz you can't expect Montez to just, you know, outscore everybody, but I think they will. Um Yeah, I think they'll be okay. Um they're bringing in some JC guys, so yeah. we will we will see. 385 pound nose tackle sounds kind of interesting. Yeah, um, yeah. Why not? Give it a shot. Okay. So next up is UCLA Bruins. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't have a voice. UCLA, for this one. UCLA, the Bruins. Um, they <laughs> wrapped up spring ball just a week ago. Um, I think they're probably one of the later teams to finish. Uh, UCLA is breaking in a new offensive coordinator, um, a new offensive line coach, a new running backs coach, a new wide receivers coach. Um, and there's, you know, it's, it's kind of changing. And, uh, I think the offense is going to be somewhat similar to last year, um, in terms of it's going to be, you know, kind of a pro style type system. You know, I'm going to pump the brakes on that. I'm not going to say it's going to be similar to last year because last year was a godforsaken disaster um but i will say it's going to be similar in system um you know it's still going to be a tight end type offense with the occasional fullback and they're going to try to you know do some some stuff in kind of a pro style type scheme um i I think jed fish is probably a little bit more versed in modern offense than say kennedy palomalu was um so there's some variation um that they built in this spring but the biggest issue is the offensive line um, it was a bad offensive line last year, and I don't think there's any guarantee it's going to be any better this year. It could actually be worse. Um, they lost Connor McDermott, who was drafted. Um, he was their big left tackle, and they're replacing him with their right tackle from last year, Colton Miller, who's pretty good. Um, and they've got a pretty good young guard in Andre James, um, who's going to be stepping in at one of the guard spots. And then Scott Quisenberry returns at center, um, who he was an all pack 12 performer last year, but he's, uh, you know, he, he's kind of struggled at times. And then the other two spots, um, you know, Kenny Lacey will probably be lining up at right tackle and it's 
anyone's bet what they're going to get from him. And then at the other guard spot, it's probably going to be Najee Turan, and it's anyone's guess what they're going to get from him. And there's very little playable depth beyond that five. And those five, I don't even think it's a particularly above average or even average uh, Pac-12 unit at this point. Now, maybe they make a bunch of progress in the next few months, and uh, and we're talking about a different thing, but... Um, the offensive line is going to be the big limiting factor for that offense. Um, you know, there's some other issues, obviously. Um, Josh Rosen probably, even even when he was healthy last year, probably wasn't quite playing at the level he did his freshman year in that Noel Mazzoni kind of simpler scheme. Um, so he's, you know, at this point you want to watch and make sure he's, he's still making progress. Um, running back situation, you know, they need a guy to emerge, but it's... You know, uh, they, they've got some guys there. Um, if they have a good offensive line, somebody will merge. Um, and then receiver, they don't have, you know, maybe that elite playmaker that you'd love to have. Um, but again, you know, you say stuff like that, like there's no stars in the bunch. But I think incompetent, you know, offensive coaching, which is what I think they had to a large extent last year, kind of masks talent. And we'll see if maybe this staff can bring out the talent a little bit more. Um, I don't think this is one of Mora's most talented teams at UCLA, but I do think there's more talent than was shown on offense last year. Um, they've got to fix the running game, and that's the most important thing. The running game was terrible last year. Incompetent Defense, offensive coaching. I like that. Yeah, <laughs> dropping, dropping some thunder. Um, <laughs> but uh, defensively, I think they're going to be above average. Um, you know, UCLA's defense has never been super elite under Mora. Um, I think it's just kind of the, the way it kind of is schemed. Um, but they've got some, they've got some players. Um, you know, one guy to watch, and I think I said this last year with the Karis McKinley, and that turned out pretty good, so I'm gonna do it again. Uh, Adarius Pickett, um, safety. He's gonna start at safety this year now that Randall Goforth has moved on. Um, and, uh, he, he might be the best player on the defense this year. I think he's gonna have a special year. Um, and, uh, They've got some, they've got some talent on the defensive line. Uh, Jalen Phillips, five-star freshman, is probably going to start this year. Um, they've got some talent in the secondary. Um, I think Darnay Holmes is probably going to, if he doesn't start at one of the starting corner spots, he's going to start at nickel. Um, and UCLA spends about 80% of the time in nickel. So, um, the defense will be talented and good. Um, whether it'll be good enough to make up for what should be at best, I would think an average offense is going to be the big question for UCLA and whether they can get back to being a South contender. I don't see it at this point. I think they're more like a, a 500-ish bowl team, um, but I would uh, I'd be interested in seeing whether or not I'm wrong. The uh, the Josh Rosen uh, factor is really interesting to me because, like, I you know, you hire someone that hasn't really done that job before, and I like Kennedy Palomalo a lot. You know, I got to cover him when he was at USC, but was he in the right position there? I, it did, didn't appear to be, um, but. You know, how much did that hurt, jo- hurt Josh Rosen? And then to see across town, um, you know, emerging, you know, Josh Rosen was like the LA quarterback, you know, and then like you got Jared Goff and you have like Sam Darnold and now you have Keith, you know, Keith Rivers, sorry, <laughs> Philip Rivers coming up with the Chargers. Um, do you think that that impacts him at all, especially with the Sam Darnold stuff where everyone, you know, he becomes a media darling and Josh is like, Hey man, I'm the guy. Uh, so is he going to come back and just be ready to prove it? Like, hey, you guys all forgot about me, but you know, I'm watching. I'm going to be the first pick in the draft. Watch what I'm able to do. Do you think that could be a motivating factor for for Rosen and get this offense going? I mean, I'm sure it's a motivating factor. Whether or not it's going to come to fruition is anyone's guess. I think what what Darnold showed last year, he showed some stuff that Rosen. 
I don't want to say can't do, but Darnold clearly has that natural feel where even if he's, even if you see a guy like Darnold and he's playing behind a bad offensive line, he's going to make plays because he's just got that kind of natural feel for where a rush is coming from and he just scoots away from it to the point where he never looks like he's under a tremendous amount of duress. Rosen doesn't have that. Now Rosen has a couple other tools that maybe, you know, maybe his arm's a little bit stronger than Darnold's. Um, maybe he can make, you know, some more wow throws that go, you know, 40 yards in the air or whatever it is. Um, but I, I, I think he's going to be limited, even if he comes in with that house of fire mentality that he's going to really, you know, kill it this year. You can only do so much behind a, behind a, a weak offensive line. Um, and I think the biggest key for UCLA is f- find something, some combination on the offensive line that's going to work at an average level this year. Um, because it's, it didn't look average this spring. It looked a little bit below that. Um, and I think if they can't get to average, and whether that means scouring the grad transfer ranks this, you know, this late spring and, and finding some guys or just really putting in the work and trying to develop some of the guys in the system and the program already. But, um, that's, that's the biggest key. I mean, Rosen's mentality, I think it's going to be, you know, I, I, I think he'll come in with a good mentality, but, mentality only gets you so far if uh if the other pieces aren't there yeah i mean what about the defensive line uh you know losing tack mckinley who you called out and you know high draft pick vander has gone like what what do you think uh is going to be done there i mean i think they'll take a small step back from last year um i think mckinley definitely gave them that polished senior pass rusher and i think jalen phillips will be good his freshman year i think he'll be really good i think by the end of the year he might be you know very, very special, but he's a freshman playing on the defensive line for the first time um, in a college game. You know, it's going to take some time. Um, but I think they'll be able to generate some pass rush, especially towards the back half of the season. I think a guy like Phillips um, is going to help with that. But I think Keyshawn Lucer South is starting to come into his own a little bit, and he gives them some more pass rush as well. Um, on the interior, um, Boss Tagalo is going to start at nose tackle, um, and I think he... He's a good player. He played some last year. Is he going to give him what the combo of Vanderdoes and Anku gave him this year or this past year? Maybe not. I, I don't, but I, I think he plugs gaps. I think he'll do fine against the run. Um, and then, uh, it's going to be Matt Dickerson at the other spot, probably taking over for what Vanderdoes brought to the table. And, you know, he's probably a small step back from Vanderdoes, but I think he's still a really good player. And then Jacob Tuyote Mariner is going to be manning the other end spot and he gives him some size and some talent. Um, I think it'll be a good defensive line. I don't think it's going to be um, as maybe impactful as the one was last year with McKinley um, doing a lot off the edge. Uh, but I think they'll be pretty good. If I had a question on defense, it'd probably be the linebacker core. Um, without Jayon Brown there, I don't know who's going to be that guy who's you know just kind of making plays and you know getting sideline to sideline um, all the time. I think they might lack a little bit of that speed element, um, and it could make them a little bit vulnerable on the edge. But um, yeah, it's somewhat of a small criticism. I think uh, overall the defense is has enough talent to be pretty good this year. All right, uh, should we move on? Let's move on. Next up, USC Trojans. Uh, again, talk to me. What'd you say? Talk to me, Ryan. Talk to, talk you. to okay. me about the Trojans. So, uh, big questions are trying to replace uh, three guys that were five star players that they had signed with Steve Sarkeesian three years ago. Um, they all left early. So Juju Smith Schuster, uh, he's a wide receiver. Um, Dory Jackson, the cornerback return guy who played some offense too. And then Damian Mama also, uh, declared early 
uh, the offensive guard. He did not get drafted, but he's gone too and, you know, been a productive member of the team the last few years. Um, so Adore Jackson ended up being a first round pick. Juju ended up being a second round pick. Um, really the main kind of guys lost. There's, uh, you know, they lost three guys on the offensive line. Uh, four of the most senior, uh, wide receivers include, you know, two of the top guys. Um, so there's certainly some, some holes to fill in. Uh, they were trying to figure out during spring football and they bring in a nice recruiting class and there was five early enrollees. I got to see some of them kind of go out there and perform, but it's just really, I don't know. It was hard when people are talking about the, the offense, you got, well, there's still Sam Darnold. So that's kind of like what people are relying on. Like, I oh, lose three offensive linemen, lose your top four wide receivers. Like, yeah, there's still Sam Darnold. Um, I don't think we learned a lot in spring football. Uh, you know, and, and I agree with Dave, like there's not always, a lot of value. Sometimes there's more than, than, and sometimes there's not. I don't think there was a ton of value. I think USC started off with the intention of, Hey, sanctions are over. They got a couple years under their belt after that. They'll be able to have a real spring game. And I think USC fans have wanted that. That was the plan. Uh, but then some guys get injured or guys are just getting held out for various reasons. And then by the time the week of spring, the spring game comes around, Clay Helton changes his mind. He's like, you know, we're not going to run a real game, but it'll, we'll keep score. And then a couple more guys get hurt. And then by the, the day before the spring game is like, we're not even going to keep score. It's just going to be a practice. So come out to the Coliseum and pay your 10 <laughs> bucks and just watch a practice. So they didn't even do any, like it was a step back as far as spring games go, uh, this year. But you know, there were, there were some interesting storylines. We got to see, uh, you know, Sam Darnold do well. I think Matt Fink, his backup, uh, stepped up and he's looked a little bit better. And Jack Sears is was Sam Darnold's backup in high school at San Clemente. He came on and, he kind of looked a little bit of a deer in headlights. I think it's going to take him a little a little while to get going. But their quarterbacks now, for the first time that I can remember, are all the same style. There's no, like, drop back. Like, these guys are all, like, athletic, you know, not necessarily pocket passers, like throwing quarterbacks who can run, but they're all kind of in a similar vein. So at least that's, uh, you know, it's kind of a good thing there. Um, you know, I think they'll be fine at running back. They got a lot of depth there. We didn't get to see Stephen Carr, the five-star uh, coming in, um, you know, he wasn't there, but like one guy I like a lot from Hawaii was a former Oregon commit, Vave Um, yeah. he's looked, he's looked really good. So, but Ronald Jones should be the stud, uh, there. Wide receiver, they got a bunch of young guys. They end up redshirting a whole bunch of guys last year. Um, I think Trayvon Sidney's, uh, is, well, he was, he was out. His high school teammate, Tyler Vaughn's, to me, Looks really good. He redshirted last year. I think he could have a big step up. We saw Michael Pittman from Oaks Christian play a little last year, but Deontay Burnett, they're expecting him to be the number one guy. He's a former Washington State commit that switched on signing day and blue shirted uh, out of Sarah High School. Um, he had a huge Rose Bowl against Penn State, three touchdowns. He was a superstar, but they're really expecting him to be the number one guy. And I don't know. I mean, you know, that's, that's a lot to ask of somebody. Um, Juju Smith Schuster's done it the last three years, so they're going to need someone to kind of step up there. But a lot of options. We just don't know really who's going to emerge. And I like Daniel Metorbebe at tight end. He's going to be, uh, he's a real athletic kid. He's going to be fun. The offensive line is a, it's kind of a mess. There's a lot of talent there. It'll be instead of like these big, slower guys that you, that you're losing in the draft that were, you know, over 350 pounds. Uh, they'll be probably, you know, quicker guys, uh, maybe a little bit more athletic. But they're, it's shuffled all over the place. They're moving guys around. Um, and you're just not sure what to expect. I mean, they, they bring in, uh, Austin Jackson was a, you know, five star offensive, uh, tackle. He might come in and start in the fall. I'm not sure, but there's, there's a lot of pieces there, but they just haven't been put in place. 
on the offensive line. And uh, on the defensive side of the football, you know, you got to replace Adoree Jackson. I think they'll be really good in the secondary. One guy to watch is Jamel Cook. Um, he's out of Miami, Florida. He redshirted last year. He ended up getting a foot injury before fall camp. So he ended up redshirting. He's like 6'4", six, 6'4 four, six, four rangy safety. He just stands out to you when you watch. You're like, man, that guy didn't even play last year. Uh, so he looked, I think the secondary would be pretty good. Not a lot of depth, uh, at linebacker. Uh, we saw John Houston, a former five star who I think they demoted to a four star at some point, but, uh, he came out of nowhere and he's, he's looked really good uh, inside linebacker. You know, Cameron Smith is back. They'll be all right. And on the defensive side of the uh, defensive line, I mentioned Stevie Tuikolavatu last year. He was a huge, he was a godsend, uh, transferring in from Utah, 25 years old, married. They needed some senior leadership and on the defensive line. And he was that. Um, they're going to, you know, but there's some other guys are going to have to step up. He's gone. The one guy to watch, um, who ended up, uh, Kenny Bigelow, who was a former five star. He's just been injured pretty much throughout his career. A couple of knee surgeries. He's a, a redshirt senior now. Will he finally come in and, and make some big contributions? We'll have to kind of wait and see, but uh, a lot of, I think up and down, a lot of talent, Dave, um, you know, We'll see, you know, they'll add some more guys, uh, when the, you know, coming in the fall, but not a ton. I mean, I, it, they should be good. I mean, they should be a good team. Um, the, the biggest thing will be you win the Rose Bowl. Uh, expectations are now going to be through the roof. There'll be preseason top five and all that kind of stuff. And do you play well with high expectations? I'm not, you know, we don't know. I mean, it's like Clay Helton was never a head coach before, like we talked about with some of the other guys that were hired, had a good year last year, winning the last nine games. But now you're going to be the targeted and you're, you're going to be the, the hunted and not the hunter. So how do they handle all that with this talent will be the big question. Yeah, for sure. But it sounds like it's a lot of questions, maybe like one real concern, which is the offensive line, but mostly good questions. A lot of talent that just needs to emerge. But, you know, offensive line, it's the one where, yeah, you need talent to emerge, but you also need guys to gel. Um, and I think UCLA is in that position, but probably with a lot less, a lot fewer pieces to work with. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I I look at USC and, you know, I think with Darnold, yeah, and, you know, maybe I'm in that crowd of people who's like, well, you have Sam Darnold, so it'll be fine. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I, I kind of think, like, he's he's clearly showed the ability that, you know, even when the offensive line is kind of breaking down sometimes, he can make things happen. He, he has no problem just rolling around, finding a guy open downfield. He's one of those guys that, like, if you ever played, like, touch football, he's really frustrating to play against because he's one of those quarterbacks who's just – you know, he can just move his feet a little bit and, you know, just kind of move a little and throws off your pass rush the whole time. Um, so, um, yeah, I, I think, I don't know. I think USC's going to be really good this year. Is Sam Darnold can be like the eraser. Like, really, he can make up for a lot yeah. of stuff. Is yeah, uh, How good was, of a coach it was is really Clay It was really annoying to watch. <laughs> I mean, how good of a coach? We don't, you know, until Sam Darnold moves on. How good of a coach is Clay Helton and Tyson Helton and T. Martin is an offensive court? Is it going to matter? I mean, they get, they get what, at least two years of this guy. Um, do you, oh, here's a good question. If Sam Darnold has a really good year this year, do you think he's gone? I, a lot of people expect him to leave, you know? Um, people, it's a rarity for a, for a redshirt sophomore to leave. But, the, you know, I was talking to our buddy Bruce Feldman. Um, he was down at the NFL combine and he said the quarterback that most people talked about was Sam Darnold. He wasn't even there, you know? So, there's a lot of hype around there. Now, maybe he has like a mediocre year and that hype backs off or he has a, you know, a really good run and, and maybe they, you know, compete for the Pac-12 title or, you know, compete to make a playoff spot. Then you could see it like, yeah, man. And, and 
the hype machine would be going. And if he's if he's in the Heisman campaign and all you know talk and all that stuff, like he is in the preseason, I could definitely see him going. But I don't know; it's hard to say. Yeah, it's just it's such a rarity for redshirt sophomores to do that with two years of eligibility remaining at quarterback, especially just because they they need so much film to evaluate from. But I'm sure he could. Um, all right, should we move on to the Arizonas? Yeah, yeah. Well, we saw Andrew Luck come back for his uh, junior year. Yeah, Andrew you know. Luck did. I think uh, did Sam Bradford come back for his junior year? I think I he think did. he did. Yeah. Um, yeah, I can't remember the last redshirt soft who just left. Yeah, I will see. Okay, so we got the Arizona schools left. We'll start off with Arizona State Sun Devils. <laughs> All right, what does our man Chris Cartman have to say? Here you go. Hey, everyone. Chris Cartman here, Sun Devil Source, talking about ASU spring football wrapped up. The questions that everybody has, of course, quarterback, who's going to win that battle between Manny Wilkins and Blake Barnett? And then is ASU's defense going to be improved, and in particular its secondary coming off of being the worst pass defense in yards allowed in each of the last two seasons in FBS. First, the quarterback situation. Manny Wilkins started out the spring uh, doing better than Blake Barnett. He had an advantage because he knew the personnel a little bit better, I think. Blake Barnett uh, finished stronger than he started, but that battle is very much still uncertain uh, entering August, and I think it's probably going to take at least two or three weeks to get sorted out in camp. Um, and I don't think anybody else is really a factor at this point. Uh, according to Billy Napier, ASU's new offensive coordinator, uh, those guys have, have kind of separated themselves at this point. And keep in mind, though, that Brady White missed the spring with a foot injury that he suffered um, against UCLA last year in a win in his only start, and maybe there's an outside chance that he's able to shake things up in August. Now, with ASU secondary, um, you have two uh, starters returning who are solid players. Armand Perry, though, um, missed the this, this spring coming off of surgery. He had a few injuries that he was dealing with through last season that forced him out of some action. Uh, Kareem Orr is a two-year starter uh, who's a cornerback, and he, he's probably their, their most uh, reliable weapon in, in the secondary, certainly at corner. Uh, now, the other positions are going to have to get stabilized there, uh, and it's very much uncertain. They have a new defensive coordinator, Phil Bennett. Uh, Todd Graham is really finally seemingly uh, going to cede responsibility of the defense, and they're trying to simplify things for those guys on the back end. And uh, we'll see how that works, but, but Kareem Moore told us, uh, during spring football that they've actually made a lot of strides. They're not giving up nearly as many big plays, uh, via breakdowns. Uh, and, um, and so those are the two things that are going to ultimately determine where ASU falls in the pecking order of the Pac-12. I think right now this is still looking like a team that's, uh, doesn't have, uh, uh, much hopes of winning the Pac-12 South and probably more along the lines of uh, somewhere between a five to seven win team. For Todd Graham, he's coming off of two uh, seasons in a row that weren't uh, successful, two non-winning seasons. They did go to one bowl game and finish six and seven. Uh, that's a big drop-off after what Graham was able to accomplish in his first three years in Tempe. And we don't know if he's going to be able to survive uh, another similar type of a season, five or six wins. I think he needs seven wins to be safe. Wow, seven wins to be safe. What a what a what a what a what a saying to go out on. Yeah. Uh, good stuff from Chris. 
Um, yeah, I think Todd Graham kind of has a tendency to wear out his welcome a little bit, and it's fine if you're winning, but not so great if you're uh, if you're losing a lot of games. Um, yeah, the quarterback competition is probably the big key there, um, and it sounds like that one's still you know yet to be determined. Um, I think interest the, the interesting note for me was the the defensive note, kind of relinquishing control a little bit more of the defensive side of the ball. Um, you know, I, I, they've kind of made their name as kind of that blitz happy, you know, crazy scheme that gives up a bunch of big plays, but also makes big plays. But then over the past couple of years, it seems like they've made fewer and fewer big plays. And instead of just kind of giving up a lot more. Um, so maybe dialing that back a little bit and, uh, playing a little bit more fundamentally sound, maybe that, um, gives them a little bit more stability on the defensive end. It certainly sounds like it might. Um, but yeah, it does sound like they still have a lot of questions um, and not so many great answers heading into this year. So it's going to be interesting to see if they can uh, make some things happen in fall camp. Yeah, you got to get better in that secondary. Um, just, just bad. <laughs> so bad. <laughs> so bad. <laughs> um, but you know, when you look at the quarterback battle, it's funny. I mean, you're talking about two former Elite Eleven quarterbacks uh, on the roster right now. We we saw what Manny Wilkins was able to do. Um, you know, him battling with Blake Barnett and you still got Brady White, you know, who was injured. He was against UCLA, right? He got injured. Um, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, Brady White and Blake Barnett were both elite 11 quarterbacks. Um, you'd expect some, some good things to come out of that position. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I don't know what's going to end up happening. And the, the Blake Barnett transfer thing was interesting too, like how he was able to play right away. Um, I got to see him. He was, he started the opener against. USC for Alabama and then, uh, Hertz took over and then, you know, never relinquished it, but, um, kind of crazy. There's, there's some talent there. Yeah, there's certainly talent. Um, it's just a matter of whether or not they can, uh, they can kind of rebound. Um, it's, I mean, it's just, they've got some pieces. I mean, I, I don't think it's out of the question for them to be an eight and four team. I just, I think they've, they've definitely got to work some things out at quarterback and then defensively, they've just got to get so much better. Um, but if they can, and who knows, maybe it is just kind of some light scheme changes and you make it happen. But, um, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't bet on it. I think, uh, I think Chris is probably about right. I think it's more like a six and 16 this year. Uh, I would not, if I had to guess, I would say Todd Graham is not the head coach in 2018. Would you agree? Yeah, but I would have bet that like probably every one of the last three off seasons, <laughs> uh, either leaving of his own volition or, um, yeah, uh, pretty much only leaving of his own volition. Um, but yeah, I think this year, this off season, there's not only the possibility he could leave of his own volition, but also the possibility he could get fired. So yes, I'd put it above 50% that he's not the head coach after this year. All right. Well, we got one last team to preview, um, to preview, to recap. We didn't do our preview. We'll do our recap. Arizona Wildcats. All right. What does our man Jason Shear have to say? Here you go. Hi, this is Jason Shear of WildcatAuthority.com. And Arizona spring ball has actually been over for about a month. They, they went extremely early. Rich Rodriguez likes to go, uh, early and, and it was kind of a, an interesting spring football game. They had a scrimmage. It was televised by Pac-12 Network. Uh, it went terribly. It was just really off balance and not necessarily the play itself, but the stuff with the television and all that. It was just, it was kind of weird. So they went back and they closed spring ball with uh, a straight up scrimmage, no gimmicks or anything like that. And it, it went a lot better. And 
uh, this spring football has a different feel to it. There's some new coaches on the coaching staff that are on age at, uh, at wide receiver. Brian Knorr coming from Ohio State. He's a new special teams coach. Uh, they've moved around some guys and, uh, Scott Boone at linebacker also. He came from Nevada. He's another new coach and really it almost has to feel as if Everyone in the building kind of knows where Richard doesn't win this season. It might be his last season at Arizona. Um, they became desperate a little bit in, in terms of guys that they've landed and tried to bring in the spring. They're really trying to, to pull in numerous grad transfers and move guys around. Um, but overall, uh, it, it's, it's a very similar team to last season. Quarterback is still Brandon Dawkins and Khalil Tate. Um, Dawkins has the edge right now. They're still trying to bring in another quarterback who – they want to start as kind of a, a secret recruit, so to speak, and and it's a guy that, that they would be bringing in to start, and we'll probably know in the next few weeks if they're able to do it. Um, they have a lot of depth at running back. That's probably the strength of a team. J.J. Taylor, Nick Wilson, uh, freshman Nate Tilford has looked pretty good. He's got a couple fundamental technique things to, to kind of fix, but he should be good. And wide receivers decent at well. I think once again the the biggest question is on the defensive side of the ball. They're still trying to land two graduate transfers on the defensive line. Derek Bowles is a guy that was at Boise State with Marcel Yates and kind of got into some legal trouble. Um, they're trying to land him. And then Jalen Elmore, who will know if they land him uh, in the next couple of days. It's between Arizona and ECU. If they land those guys, all of a sudden the, the defensive depth uh, looks like it's a lot better, um, at least on the defensive line. A lot of young guys coming in at linebacker, Anthony Pandy, uh, is a guy that they'll expect to be competing at linebacker, Colin Schooler, et cetera. Um, it's really going to come down to the defensive side of the ball. I think the offensive side will be fine, uh, but the defense is going to have to be better than it was last season, or else we're looking at a four and five win team and, and probably a new head football coach. So, um, I think we'll know a lot more about the team during the summer than we do the spring. Rich Rodriguez closes, uh, practices during the spring, so we only really got to see three times the team in action, but, it's a similar team to last season, which which isn't a very good thing. They need to find some more depth. They need big contributions from the freshmen. Um, so, again, we'll know more uh, about this team in the summer than we probably did during the spring. Good stuff from Jason. Uh, just to refresh everyone from last year, Arizona went 3-9 and nine and 1-8 and eight in conference. And let me see. Let me refresh my memory. But so, I so a similar team the, is not good, then, I would say. Yeah, similar team is bad. Similar team, similar team is really bad. And um, to his point, the defense was atrocious last year, um, like a lot of teams in the Pac-12 last year. Um, their only win in conference was over Arizona State, which by the end of the year had just completely given up and packed it in. Um, but they were, I mean, they were so bad at different points. They lost to Oregon State by 25 points. They lost to Colorado by 25 points. They lost to Washington State by 62. They lost to Stanford by 24. They lost to USC by 34. They lost to Utah by 13. They lost to a really bad UCLA team by 21. Um, somehow they held it close with Washington and only lost by a touchdown in overtime. But um, this is a bad team. Really, really bad. Um, they found something a little bit with Brandon Dawkins at quarterback um, over the end of the year. But he's, you know, he, he still struggled at times. But he gave him something with their with his legs. The offense, um, to Jason's point, might be okay this year. Uh, might be even better than okay. Might be fine. Um, but if the defense isn't substantially better, um, yeah, they're probably looking for a new head coach at the end of the year. No, oh, Anu Solomon's not there still. I thought he was still there. He transferred. <laughs> uh, the, the great the great Anu Solomon uh, <laughs> is grad transferring to Baylor. 
Yeah, he grad transferred to Baylor. Nice. Good for him. Our boy Anu. Um, yeah, this is a. Uh, it's not encouraging to hear it's going to be similar to a team from last year, but it it sounds like there's like in scramble mode, like an NFL like free agency thing sort of going on where they know that if Rich Rod isn't winning, change is going to happen. So get get whatever you can, grad transfers, you know, bring whatever you can do. Secret quarterback recruits. I love hearing stuff about that. Um, it doesn't seem like bringing a secret quarterback recruit would make a big difference. Now, a couple of grad transfers on the defensive line. Certainly, I think that'll help. Um, I love watching Khalil Tate too. Uh, you know, but I get the feeling, Dave, it's going to be one of those things like every week we talk about this team playing. Well, Dawkins started, but then Tate came yeah. in or something and maybe secret recruit, you know, cause in there, I, you just want some consistency, you know, so maybe they'll be able to establish that uh, in the fall. But I'd like to see some consistency there. At least that might help just kind of settle things down a little bit. It'd make it easier for us. I mean, it'd make it easier for us when we're talking about it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think this, uh, I think quarterbacks, I mean, their offense hasn't been stable, I think, for the last couple of years, but it's still been productive at times. The biggest issue they've run into is that their defense, um, basically after that Scooby Wright injury two years ago, um, has just been a disaster for the better part of one and a half seasons now. Um, so, yeah, I think um, I, I, I think if they don't get something figured out there... Um, all right, so here's here's the good the bet, the real bet. Um, we said, you know, it's better than 50% likely Todd Graham is not the head coach at ASU. What is the likelihood that both Arizona schools are looking for new head coaches at the end of this year? I think fairly high. I do. I'm putting it at 40% or better. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost a coin flip, I would say. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I think it's going to be tough for both of these schools. So, but the, the South is a lot more open than the North. Um, and we don't know. I mean, we just don't know what these teams are going to be doing. Uh, but you can't expect Arizona State to be getting shellacked by, you know, Colorado's or Oregon States of the world. Like, come on. You just can't, you can't do that. Yeah. Um, uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see. The, um, the scrimmage is interesting. Cause I, if I understood him correctly, I get them doing spring practice early cause it's Tucson. It's hot as hell. You want to do it as early as you can. So having spring in like May or something or, you know, late April would be terrible. Uh, but they had a spring game that was televised. So that was open. It went terribly, but they still had some spring practices left. So they ran another closed one. They went a lot better. Is that how you understood that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So they decided to put something on the Pac-12 network that wasn't the last practice. It was somewhere in the middle. Yeah, I think so. And then that obviously incensed uh, Rich Rob. Yeah, I guess it didn't uh, go off so well. But they, yeah, I mean, and even when they were showing the spring games, I didn't get to watch because I was, you know, I was like covering USC. But all I got was complaints. People are like, the coverage is terrible. They cut away, like they, they ran one hour and I saw like, in contrast, I watched the Alabama spring game, which was produced like a full game, actual, like, you know, Kirk Herb Street on the side. Like it was like, you couldn't have a bigger difference than what I saw on the Pac-12 network and what ESPN was doing, like at the Alabama game. Yeah. No, it's true. And, uh, that's probably a testament to that $4 billion difference in uh, valuation. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, hey, we did a show. 
We did a show. We did what we, we planned, sort of. We did what uh, we set out to do. Yeah. So it's good. So hopefully you guys got a better feel of what is going around in the Pac-12 as far as spring football goes. We're in May evaluation periods now, so people are out kind of recruiting. Uh, a lot of people are taking finals and get the summer workouts and stuff going. And we should have uh, – I don't think the Pac-12 has announced, Dave, uh, media days yet, like when it's going to happen. No, um, I don't think so. But we might have earlier fall camps that we know – Oregon State's doing early because they're playing earlier, but because the two-a-day things have been disallowed, like you still get to 29 practices, I think you're going to see some fall camps start maybe late July now, even for teams that play in September. Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked because there's a bunch, there's a whole slate of games that start on the 26th this year. So um, I wouldn't, I would not be stunned at all if uh, things start a little bit earlier than they usually do. Yeah, uh, we'll see. But yeah, I well, hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, and thanks for everyone, uh, across the scout network. I mean, it's, it's pretty amazing, Dave. Like we just, you know, there's, there's other networks out there. There's other sites and stuff, but no one dominate. We just dominate the pac 12 as far as scout. I mean, we just have every site. It's crazy. I thought you meant in terms of the podcast of champions. And I was going to agree with that too, but, uh, we dominate yeah. that too. Yeah. I mean, in terms of scout. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's nobody else who covers the West the way that, uh, scout.com does. So we thank uh, everyone, all of the experts from uh, across the uh, Pac-12 landscape for taking a few minutes out. And uh, and sorry we cut you off at three minutes, but you know we got a show to do. We got to move it along. <laughs> I haven't used the, the. I started the Google voicemail uh, for my USC podcast, Dave. I don't know if you used that before, but you can actually text to it. And uh, so we might have to switch the podcast of Champions, our voicemail line, to get a Google Voice line for that too. It, it actually works Let's pretty do well. It. That's great. I love the three-minute cutoff. It's awesome. Everything <laughs> it in the good. world. Awesome. All right. Well, All right, well. that's going to wrap it up. That is David Woods. I am Ryan Abraham. I hope you guys enjoyed this edition of the Podcast of Champions. And we will be coming back with a question and answer show coming up real soon. So stay tuned for that. We will do it. We promise. And uh, thanks for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time.